Hi, it's Bonnie here and thanks for joining me these past two weeks on The Leader. This is where we bring you the latest news, interviews and analysis from the Evening Standard newsroom every day at 4pm. Subscribe to make sure you don't miss out. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm Bonnie Christian. London could be facing an unprecedented rise in rough sleepers. Some boroughs have done studies and they say that a lot of their residents are going to be unemployed before Christmas. Our local democracy reporter Rachel Burford says that an end of furlough and a surge in COVID cases adds even more complexity to the issue. And For Donald Trump, he needs to get his base out in sufficient numbers and in the right places to offset what looks like a Biden surge. Economist editor Anne McElvoy says Donald Trump knows he needs a miracle to get ahead in the polls. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. In a moment, a warning of a rise of rough sleeping in London. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. As the original furlough scheme comes to an end, winter looms and Britain faces another surge in COVID-19 cases. Charities and councils are warning they could face an unprecedented rise in the numbers of people sleeping rough in London. Councils who housed thousands of rough sleepers in the first wave are now struggling with funding and are calling on the government to help them with an anticipated spend of £97 million on managing homelessness. Our editorial column agrees the vulnerable need a helping hand. At the start of the pandemic, it was trendy to call COVID-19 a great leveller. Now we know better. Who you are, where you live and what you do for a living has a direct impact on your chances of losing your job or contracting the virus. As the original furlough scheme comes to an end, we can see the scale of economic damage wreaked across the country by COVID. COVID has also revealed to many just how meagre our welfare state can be. People have lost their jobs, 
and are finding that government support simply is not enough. The government has done a huge amount, but there are now wide cracks opening for the most vulnerable. The Tories need to show they are a party that cares about the poor as well, both in the capital and the north. The Evening Standard's local democracy reporter, Rachel Burford, joins me. Rachel, how did local councils help rough sleepers during the first wave of the pandemic? Thousands were taken off the street. Um, The government ordered all rough sleepers to be taken off the street and placed in hotels or self-contained accommodation. And that sort of happened at the end of March. um, And they were given some sort of funding for that. Um, but now that funding has kind of run out and you know, some boroughs are saying, yep, yeah, we're keeping people in um, accommodation, but others aren't able to. As we head into winter and there appears to be another surge in cases, what are councils seeing in terms of the numbers of people sleeping rough? Rough sleeping is still, it's still down on, on what it was last year. Um, I think City Hall just released some figures today that says I think it's about 23% lower than it was the same period last year. Um, in the last sort of three months, but um, there has been a sort of 27% increase on the numbers recorded between April and June 2020 as well. So um, it's lower, but it is rising. They've said they are potentially facing an unprecedented rise in the numbers of people who are sleeping rough. What do they mean by that? Well, furlough ends today, um, the end of the month. Some boroughs, you know, have done studies and they say that a lot of their residents are going to be unemployed um, before Christmas um, because a lot were on furlough. I think Hounslow Council, 40% of residents there are either unemployed or furloughed because of the pandemic. So I think they're very worried at the moment about um, especially young people who may have been in more precarious work situations anyway, uh, not being able to afford things like rent um, and there being a sort of sudden wave of people finding themselves on the street. And how many of these people have never slept rough before this? The, the figure's quite hard. So I think City Hall figures that were released today, um, they said in the last three months they recorded 1,901 people, I think, um, who were sleeping rough for the first time, which does sound like a lot, but many of those were only out for sort of one night, one or two nights. The people who were deemed to be, you know, rough sleeping all the time is much lower. How did Mickey Day, a young musician, find himself sleeping rough during the first wave? Yes, I think he um, he's originally from the northeast. Mickey moved here um, sort of just after when restrictions weren't as strict. So in sort of July time, um, because he's a musician and he uh, he wanted work. And, you know, I think a lot of people do come to the capital for work, especially work in the arts and things like that. and he just found it impossible. And, you know, he's he's got a degree, he's, you know, an educated guy, um, but he's young and he wasn't able to find a job. So he found himself sort of sleeping out in parks in East London um, and places like that. He got in touch with the charity called New Horizons, who sort of helped him into a flat in um, Elephant and Castle. And I've got him onto a construction work course, um, which is really great. But that option isn't open to all rough sleepers, especially ones who may have other issues. You know, a lot of rough sleepers do have drink and drug problems or, you know, mental health problems. Um, so he, he's, he was lucky, but it's not an option that is open to all rough sleepers. This is such a complicated issue. And with cases surging and furlough ending, it just adds to that complexity. What are charities and councils calling for? Money, <laughs> as always. Um 
they i think councils london councils the sort of umbrella group for all boroughs in london um have said i think collectively they're going to be spending an extra 97 million pounds um on rough sleeping due to the pandemic um over the next year so they're saying you know we need funding and we need it quickly um because winter's coming and you know there's a rising cases of covid cases as well so it could end up with this sort of perfect storm of you know rising cases and a rising rough sleep at the same time next I think Donald Trump could be one of the the big political victims of the coronavirus. How the pandemic could impact the 2020 election. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm running against the worst candidate in the history of presidential politics. President Donald Trump and his Democratic challenger, Joe Biden. Time is running out. This country can't afford four more years of Trump, who thinks he's only responsible for the people who voted for him. Trading barbs at two rallies, hours apart in Florida, a key swing state that is all but essential to Mr Trump's path to another term. November 3rd is just days away and the candidates are set to barnstorm across America's heartland. Mr Biden leading the polls will visit Wisconsin, Iowa and Minnesota. Meanwhile, the president, fueled by figures showing a bump in the economy, will be campaigning in Minnesota as well as Wisconsin and Michigan. Senior editor at The Economist Anne McElvoy joins me. And what tact are Mr Trump and Mr Biden taking in the swing states as they enter the final days of the race? Well, for Donald Trump, uh, coming from behind in this race, as he now is pretty clearly, he needs to get his base out in sufficient numbers and in the right places to offset what looks like a Biden surge. So he's particularly interested in Florida. He also needs to watch his back in Texas. And in both of those cases, particularly Texas, you might have thought that was safe territory for him. It's turned out not to be so. So he really needs his support to come out pretty much to the max if he's to see off Joe Biden. 
Joe Biden also needs to target Florida. There's no way round Florida. It's a really interesting state. It has a lot of retirees from other parts of the US who tend to be white, older, quite prosperous. And a lot of them went for Trump in 2016. So Joe Biden needs to persuade people like that to come back to him as well as his more progressive base. He needs to work on the Midwest. The Midwest is a big swathe of places that went for Trump in 2016. A lot of them are that blue collar working class vote. Can Joe Biden get them back where Hillary Clinton kind of lost them? Have we got a sense of how successful both Biden and Trump have been in addressing the key issues in these states? We do have one really interesting indicator here, and that's that the number of undecideds has shrunk since 2016, quite markedly. Of course, they're very important if they're in a swing state and if they're in a particularly key part of a swing state. But there are not so many of them. And it would appear, if you look at Biden's advance in the polling to between five and 10 point lead, that a lot of them have gone to Joe Biden. Are there undecideds who are not saying that they want to vote for Donald Trump? That would be interesting. Is there a secret Trump vote that's still to be flushed out? I think we'll find out that out very quickly after the votes are counted. That's incredibly important to Donald Trump if he hopes to stay in the White House. What about all these early voters? There's about 80 million of them so far. What impact could they be having? Early voting could have an immense impact on this election. For a start, it appears that those who voted early voted by a clear margin for Joe Biden. But we also know that, of course, this is happening in a time of pandemic, that voter registration is flawed in many parts of the US to start with, and that to an extent that is being gamed often by supporters of Donald Trump. So there is, I think, a lot of wriggle room here for him not going quietly and saying that those votes that were mailed in and those early votes were in, in some way, could be delegitimized. That is what a lot of people are predicting. I've just been interviewing John Bolton, the former national security advisor, who turned against Trump this week, he thinks something like that is quite likely to happen. Of course, it depends on the margin. If it's a tub-thumping Biden victory, it won't matter. If it's tighter, it could well matter. The polls are showing a lead for Biden at the moment, and we know that Trump likes to win. How do you think this is impacting Trump personally and how he's approaching his campaign? Trump is a fighter, and that shows really in the way that he fought through 2016 and overturned establishment expectations as he would have seen them, that he would be a loser. He hates to be a loser. It's a phrase that he he often uses. I think he's touchy and you can see it in things like walking out of the CBS 60 Minutes interview, clearly in a bad mood and in a bad temper about being pressed. Having said that, people who've attended his rallies tell me that it's, it's still the grand guignol. You know, he's joking. He comes on to macho, macho man. He's enjoying it. He loves loves campaigning. He's a formidable campaigner. And for all the many flaws and dangers of Donald Trump, you have to understand that he is really an enemy to be taken seriously. He's probably a better campaigner than Joe Biden, if you're simply looking at his ability to hold a crowd. But I think he knows he's on the back foot. He knows that it kind of takes a miracle at this stage to get him back into the lead. And he's prepared to use any available means to to get there. So I would not count him out until the last moment, even though the probability is running very strongly against him. Now, just finally, to address coronavirus, could Trump be the first big political casualty of the pandemic? I think Donald Trump could be one of the, the big political victims of the coronavirus, so to speak. 
It's hard to make a case that Donald Trump has handled coronavirus particularly well. It's much easier to make a case that by underweighting his role as president and the role of the center and everything that he commanded, potentially in Washington, D.C., he could have made a big difference. I think that has got through to voters and not only to those who are on the left and don't like him anyway. So I think coronavirus may be the difference between a Trump victory and a Trump defeat it's really the part of his record in his terms that he struggles most, I think, to come up with any form of defence for. And that's The Leader. You can read more on those stories by picking up a copy of the newspaper or visiting standard.co.uk. We also have morning briefings available at 7am through your smart speaker. Just ask for the news from The Evening Standard. David Marsland is back with you on Monday. Subscribe to make sure you don't miss out.